You're listening to The Jill Monaco Show, episode number 40. Welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. Welcome back to The Jill Monaco Show. I am your host, of course, Jill, and continuing my series with women speakers and authors, my guest today is the amazing Jen Baker. Jen carries a breakthrough anointing to shift atmospheres and release faith. So are you waiting on some promises from God? If you're like me, you go back and forth between trusting God and questioning Him, having faith and doubt, between hope and discouragement. Today, Jen's stories and teaching are going to give you an impartation of faith that will change the way you believe for your promises. Now, when Jen and I met in person for the very first time, I knew that she was someone I wanted to run with. Jen's passion for following God's call has seen her sell everything and move countries, author six books, and be heavily involved in assisting victims of modern-day slavery. Originally from America, Jen ministers within the United States, Africa, India, Asia, and Europe, but she lives in the UK. So let's get to the conversation with Jen. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Ah, Jill, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I know it. And I want people to know that they're going to hear a little English accent now within your American (laughs) accent. I call myself an Ameri-Brit because I've got (laughs) citizenship in both both countries. So, you know, half American, half British. Over here, everybody thinks I'm American. Over there, they think I'm British. So it's just a mishmash. (laughs) I'm never quite sure what's going to come out, to be honest. (laughs) Does it matter who you spend more time with? Does your accent kind of get stronger? Yeah, I think it does, actually. Not intentionally. You know, I think some people are like that. And I adapt Mm -hmm. to atmospheres. I'm really influenced by atmosphere. And I think without realizing it, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely changed. I find when I first moved over, you know, I'd say hello when people ask where I was from in America. (laughs) And I'm finding that now more people are asking if I'm Canadian, which is interesting. So it must have a bit of like a softer American accent, maybe. Oh, well. It's beautiful. So (laughs) it's your God-given accent. (laughs) It is. Exactly. It is what it is. I am who I am. I can change it. (laughs) Well, I think that I've just heard so many of your stories that I... I don't even know where to start today on this podcast because I know people are going to be so encouraged by you. But since we're talking about the transition to the UK, can you tell everyone a little bit of your story of faith and how God brought that about? Yes, it is, as most stories are, a long story. So I will kind of cut that really short and just kind of bring out some key bits. But the main thing is back in 2002, I had a ministry trip over to the UK, which got canceled. Long story short is it got canceled. So I had some time by myself to travel and I loved it. Just traveled around for a week, loved it, never thought I'd be back. And then fast forward about, I don't know, seven or eight months, and I was uh, had done another missions trip in South America and was coming back and got very, very ill. And that started a whole series of events uh, in my life of um, really was off work for a couple of months. And, you know, those seasons where you feel like you're flatlined spiritually, 
emotionally, yeah. mentally, you know, it was one of those seasons. And I hadn't, I hadn't been around that mountain enough times to recognize it like I would now. But mm-hmm. looking back, it was clear God was preparing me for a major change. And I just thought he was trying to kill me, really. <laughs> um, and often in those seasons, God's preparing you. And yeah. so I had to push through a whole lot of things, which is a long story. But after a couple of months, I was uh, at a friend's house recovering physically. And I had a vision, really. Um, and I was I was literally typing an email, you know, can't get more boring than that. But I just mm-hmm. suddenly had this vision and all the United States and half the Atlantic over were all dark and half the Atlantic across Europe was was light. And out of London was a very bright light. And it wasn't audible, but it was nearly audible. I felt like God said, your time in Michigan is done and I'm sending you to England. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> and at the time I was, I was on staff at a really a large church, a great church that I absolutely loved, a job that I absolutely loved. Um, I had just bought my first house, you know, just started investments, you know, yeah. my college was paid off, everything was settled. And then God said, okay, let's move. Um, and so basically I had, I had gotten a phone call from the couple. There was one couple I stayed with when I was there several months earlier. Most of it was just B&B, but there was one couple I stayed with for two days. She phoned me completely out of the blue, said, do you remember us? I said, yeah. She said, well, that no, sounds really funny, but we feel like God's saying you're supposed to live with us. Does that mean anything to you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, oh, I hope you're serious. And uh, yeah. I had three different people at church come up, say, God told me to give you money for England. I hadn't told anybody. I was just praying about this. And, wow. and just different things began to fall into place. Um, and so to make a long story short, again, the friends of mine at that time, her husband was a pilot for America, and they flew me over here to pray about it, you know, because it was such a major, I was in my early 30s. It was a major life move. Yeah. And I was clear really hoping for an angel visitation or something. <laughs> yeah. Like we do in all big decisions. Like exactly. Jesus, I wish exactly. he himself would come down and say, I, I decree and declare you are to go. <laughs> I kept saying, Lord, writing on a wall would work. You've done it once. You can do it again. Yeah. Writing on a wall, angel visitation, you know, they're both in your, you know, bag of tricks, so to speak. Just choose one. But yeah. you know, what I've discovered is those seasons when you really need to hear from God, often are the ones he's the quietest. Mm. And especially when he's already given you 355 confirmations that this (laughs) is what he wants you to do. And so he'd already, and that's a long story. I won't go through all of them, obviously, but he gave me several confirmations. So I flew over here to pray about it. And there was just nothing, literally nothing. Heaven could not Mm. have been more silent. And there was one day I was out walking behind their house along those beautiful English lanes that are over here. And I was leaning on a fence, looking at the cows and just... Mm saying, God, I just, I need to know. And when I said I need to know, suddenly I knew. And I don't know how to describe it. I just, you just have that knowing. And it Mm -hmm. was that knowing that, Jen, you're not going to get any more than this. That's Mm. faith. And I just had tears streaming down my face. And I just said, Mm -hmm. Lord, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. I'm really scared. That's all Mm -hmm. I could say. But I thought, well, what is a leap of faith if it's not a leap of faith? So I walked back and I emailed my boss and I quit my job and I moved two months later after selling and giving everything away, mostly giving away, selling a few things, selling my house. Uh, Then I moved a couple months later. Wow. And so you lived with this family and what was 
what was that like? I mean, did you have an, did you feel like God gave you an assignment or did you have a job or what did that look like? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Now, you know, I look back and I think, what on earth? (laughs) Gosh, faith is amazing because it just covers a multitude of stupidities sometimes (laughs) or things that look like they could be stupid. I, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a visa. I didn't have a long-term place to live. I couldn't earn an income because I didn't have a visa. Uh I didn't know anybody, literally, except this couple that I now knew for about a week. (laughs) I had no idea why God sent me here. What I felt, one thing I failed to say is when I was standing at that fence, what I felt very strong um, and because the, the lady at the house had said this to me previously, she said, Jen, maybe you need to come over here and then God will show you then what to do. Mm. And I thought, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. the one, you know, playing Abraham here. Yeah. But I knew in that moment, I knew that's exactly what he wanted me to do. Jen, you take that first step and then mm-hmm. I'll show you the next step. So the first several months literally was just, okay, Lord, now what do you want me to do? You know, what, mm-hmm. what is this all about? Why am I here? And, and honestly, there's hundreds of stories after that, you know, I was down in that area for four months or for four years. I only lived with them for six months and then lived with another couple because again, I didn't have a visa, so I wasn't able to actually get a job. So I couldn't earn any money. Yeah. <laughs> so I volunteered. I said to the church I was part of, I said, look, I'll volunteer as long as my money runs, you know, until my money runs out, I'm really happy to volunteer. So I did that for several months um, and yeah, until my money ran out and then God just faithfully provided over and over and over again. <laughs> wow. And, you know, and it reminds me, my listeners have heard in the past me talk about my journey across country where I put everything into storage. I didn't sell everything like you did, um, mm-hmm. but went wherever God told me to go across the country. And I probably need to do a podcast just to explain that story because it does come up on these different things when I'm talking to people about faith stories. Um, similar, just, I, you know, money started running out and God, what do I do? And I just knew I was supposed to go and I had a vision for it. And that was the beginning of my ministry, similar to yours. That that was the beginning of a new you know, chapter of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, some people will look at you and, um, and or other people that are speakers and authors and think, oh, I want to do that. But they really don't know the cost and they don't mm-hmm. know what has to happen before that. Um, That's right. And I've heard so many of your stories where as your friend, you've said, hey, please pray for me. You know, this is what's going on. And you're transparent with, you know, when you're speaking at an event, when you were here, you know, mm-hmm. I know that you've shared those stories, but you always share from a place of this is God's promise. This is what he said he's going to do. And I don't know how he's going to do it because here's the facts <laughs> of the situation. <laughs> and uh, so I I can't wait to get into some of those stories today. Um, before we get into that, I want to just talk a little bit about um, the ways you minister around the world and what you're doing with the victims of modern day slavery, if you don't mind. Sure. No, I don't mind at all. Um, with my ministry, the if you go on my website, it says across the top, empowering the one, reaching the many. And I feel really strong about that. I'm all about the one, all about the many. I think, you know, I don't care. Jesus ministered to one. He ministered to thousands. Mm-hmm. And when you empower one, you reach many, you know. And so I focus on four different areas. It's nations, it's orphans and children, uh, women, and then creating resources and everything flows through those four things. Uh, so it can be through through speaking, it's through writing, uh, it's through giving, um, 
the victims modern day slavery i was involved before doing what i'm doing now i had a season uh several years where i was a director over a ministry and we um provided housing for victims modern day slavery across the north of the uk uh and so that was is quite amazing season uh in fact i think today actually now the day that we're recording this is um celebrating um the anti-trafficking, anti-slavery oh. day, that's the word, anti-slavery day over here in the UK. Huh. Uh, and so it's been all over the news, actually. There are um, millions and millions of people in slavery, and we had the opportunity to provide safe houses. And to when they were rescued, we were part of the government provision, and we had a safe place for them to go while they recovered. And it was just an incredible, incredible experience. And so now I've shifted into more of an itinerant traveling and speaking and um, ministering. I was in India a few months ago and ministering with the children there and the women there and very excited to go back. I love doing that. Uh, just so empowering, great. empowering people, challenging uh, in the area of faith. And like you said at the beginning, it's shifting atmospheres. You know, mm -hmm. we're here to change atmospheres, all of us, <laughs> to bring heaven to earth. And I think all of us do that. It doesn't matter if you're on a platform. You know, I don't think mm -hmm. we need more people on a platform. We just need more of a platform in people. You know, you need mm -hmm. the presence of God. You need the truth of the word. You need the faith in people. That's that platform. And then wherever you go, you're spreading that. You're bringing that. And so I just try to do that wherever I go, whether it's, you know, here or a different nation uh, or through books. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, one of the things you said just made me think of, um, you know, we are in that culture right now where everyone wants, not everyone, I shouldn't say, mm -hmm. we're in a culture right now where people really don't feel significant unless, and everyone has a different fill in the blank after that. I'll feel significant mm -hmm. when blah, blah, blah. And for a lot of people um, that in the circles I run in, um, you know, there I run with a lot of other authors and speakers, and I hear every single one of them go through a transition of, you know, God gives the promise in the dream and we run after it, and then you hit the normal stuff. It takes mm -hmm. time or you're you know, book proposal gets rejected or, you know, you don't get the speaking opportunities and you're just like, but Lord, you call me to this. I don't know how mm -hmm. to do it. Um, <laughs> and I can't make this happen unless you do. But I think that process, whether it's, you know, for a speaker, or an author, or you're waiting on a promise of a spouse or that promotion, mm -hmm. or even to have a child or whatever the promise is, there seems to be that great divide between <laughs> the, the promise and the fulfillment of it, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, I have a, a preach I don't do often anymore that I used to do, but it does come out in one of my books. Um, at the beginning in um, Acts chapter two, Peter stands up and he says, this is that which was promised in the book of Joel, you know, and where God's spirit is poured out on people. And uh, or Acts, sorry, chapter three, I think is where he says, this is that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that phrase, this is that jumped out at me. And I thought, you know what, we love uh, when um, God gives us a promise and he said, that is going to happen. And we're like, yay. Mm -hmm. And we love the, this moment, this is the promise. Yay. Yeah. What we don't love is, is <laughs> that little word is <laughs> the land of is right between this and that. And one day I was looking at that and it just jumped out at me. And I was thinking about the land of is, and I put those two together and I thought is land is island. Mm. And often in that place, you feel like you're on this island, just waiting between this and that one of mm -hmm. these days, <laughs> either yeah. this is going to happen or that's going to happen. I thought, you know what? We spent 89.5% of our time. I just made that up. 89.5% um, <laughs> of our time in this land of is just waiting. 
and it occurred to me, I suddenly thought, Lord, I'm going to enjoy this season, but I'm spending most of my life between things. Yeah. How do we enjoy it? How do we live that fully? How do you stay in faith? How do you believe? And my book, The Power of the Promise, really pulls on a lot of that because I think most of our journey is in that place. And there needs to be, I think, a lot of just good teaching, especially like you said, in society today, everything is so sudden. Everything's now. We want everything now. And everybody has a voice and everybody wants to have a voice. And I just think, oh, honestly, let's just take a step back. Yeah. Let's get back to the presence of God. Let's get back to the truth of the word. Let's just trust God and yeah. let him give you a voice. Let him lead you. He really is quite good at this. Trust yeah. him. To guide you in all of your ways. And then you'll just see amazing things unfold from that. I love that. It's so true. Um, and I think he's so gracious when we, you know, when we kind of mess up and or fail. And I remember one time I said to the Lord, you know, in the work of the ministry, because you and I both spend 100% of our time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. definitely our working hours, but often beyond that, because it's, you know, what we love to do, serving yeah. the Lord and doing full-time ministry vocationally. And there was a time where I just said to the Lord, I I am doing all this stuff and I'm doing it for you, but I'm doing it without you. Mm. And I was like, I'd rather not. I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather just, you know, work at Starbucks and mm-hmm. then have you a priority again, you know, mm-hmm. instead, because right. I just felt really... I didn't feel like a hypocrite because I loved God. That hadn't changed. And I wasn't trying to get glory for myself, but it was, I was tr- starting to feel the pressure of the world. And even with donors, like I, I felt like I had to produce so much stuff. So donors would feel like I was being a good steward of their money that they yeah. were giving so I could do stuff. And it really started weighing me down as most nonprofits feel that pressure. But when, mm-hmm. when your nonprofit ministry is mostly you, like it's my mm-hmm. teaching, it's your teaching, it's your writing, it's the way that we're being evangelists and and helping people. That can become start to feel. I mean, we can fall to pride very easily, but it can also feel like a burden that Jesus never wanted us to carry. Um, That's right. One of my favorite verses is um, Psalm forty six ten, which a lot of people know. Be still and know that I'm God. But in one of the versions, it says, "Cease striving and know mm-hmm. that I'm God." And I just love that. That just cease striving. Um, if we see striving, then we can know that he's God. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. us, you know, to do that. Because I think you're right. We all fall into that yeah. easily. You know, take back control. We say, oh, you know, God gives us a hint of where we're going. We say, great, thanks. I'll take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we do. Like, no. Poor, I think one, I think God's favorite emoji is the face palm. <laughs> I just imagine God up in heaven face palming all the time. No. I love that's it. That's not what I meant, you sweet child of mine. <laughs> well, and that's his attitude too. Like I just, even when I fail, even when I make things about me and not about him by accident, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like he's so kind. Like I, when I go to mm-hmm. him, he's not like, yeah, I've been mad at you about that. What I feel is like, come, come here, daughter, sit on my lap. Let's just yeah. talk. Let's just be with me. He doesn't often want to even correct me because if you've already seen it yourself, he doesn't have mm-hmm. to come down hard on you. He just, right. he just wants to restore you because his kindness leads us to repentance. That's right. Exactly. And he's a God of grace. He's just filled with grace and God is love. He's love and he's grace and he's kindness. Yes. Well, yeah. you mentioned the your book, The Power of a Promise, 
and mm. love that book. Um, <laughs> and I was able to help you create some graphics and some yeah, images. Oh, it was so fun um, to promote your book. So <laughs> I know that you wrote that from a place where you've had to wait on promises from God. Um, so talk about how you you know wrote when you're in the midst of it. And obviously you can look back because you've walked around, like you said, that mountain maybe a time or two. Um, <laughs> but how do you walk from a place of faith before you see answers to your prayers? Gosh, it's that's such a good, good question. You know, I've thought about writing a book when I was in 20, and I'm so glad I waited till I was 49. <laughs> <'Cause I'm> like, <laughs> you know, you think you know something, you realize, you know, you just don't. And um, God knew the perfect timing to write that because I'm still in the midst of waiting for many promises, you know, never been married, never had children. Those are two of the greatest desires of my, those were the greatest desires aside mm -hmm. from serving God of my heart. And so I talk about that, that comes out a little bit in the, in the book as well. Um, and various other promises, um, you know, I, last week on the 16th, I think it was, I, um, celebrated 30 years as a Christian. So mm -hmm. some of these promises are 30 years, literally what I'm doing now, the speaking and the writing, 30 years in the process uh, mm -hmm. of God shaping and molding. And and so this really does come out of a place of authenticity, a place of I've lived this, I've learned this, I'm learning this. And how you wait is to realize, well, faith is about waiting, um, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean doing nothing, you know, because faith believes what's not yet seen. You can't that's part of what faith is. It's not there yet. If it's there, you don't need faith. Um, faith's being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. And so there was a couple of years ago, a season in my life, there were some things that happened and it was an incredibly, incredibly difficult time. And one of the most difficult was financially. And this is part of where the book comes out of. It was very, very difficult time financially. And I remember there was one moment where I realized I could either pay my rent or I could uh, pay my tithe. And I knew that God wouldn't be angry at me, you know, if mm -hmm. I chose to pay my rent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I really wanted to pay my tithe. Uh, and I believe in tithing, obviously. Um, and I wanted to do it, though. It wasn't because I felt like I had to. And, and I was meeting a friend for lunch and just a real trusted friend. And I sat down with her and I gave her some of what was going on, told her some of the details. And, and I just said, help me know, what do, what do I do? I've never been in this position before. And basically what she did for the next hour, is she just spoke faith to me. She, mm. We pulled out the Bible, we looked at scriptures, and she gave me testimony after testimony after testimony of how God taught her and helped her uh, in her life and in her ministry break through in the area of faith. And it stirred something in me. I'll tell you what, mm. I just, something got stirred. And, and I went back to where I was staying and I just repented. I said, Lord, forgive me for my lack of faith. Help me with this. And I sent off my tithe. And within a half an hour, I received money that wasn't due for at least another six weeks that covered wow. my rent. And, you know, we hear those stories <laughs> all the time. But when you're in that crisis moment and yeah. to have it happen, and what I knew in that moment was, okay, I don't want to go around this same mountain again. I want now my faith to go from level to level to level. And so what I did is I made a decision. I'm going to spend as many hours a week as I can for the next several months studying this. And so I got up an hour, at least an hour earlier, every morning studying faith. I didn't watch any TV for about four to five months. Every evening, I put podcasts on while I was cooking, while I was running, while I was driving. I literally spent about 30 to 40 hours saying, God, give me breakthrough and give me revelation hmm. because I knew it to be true. And I thought, yeah. if I can really get this, this is going to shift 
everything. And, and it has, and part of what it's shown me is what to do in the waiting time. It's shown me the power of faith, the power of his word, the power of our responsibility, but it's, it's shown me his faithfulness and it's shown mm-hmm. me that you can wait well and that God's not up there punishing me. <laughs> He's not trying to punish me. We're trying to work something out here together. And even in the midst of the disappointment, and this comes out in the middle of the book, and I feel like it's really important whenever I talk about faith to say that, that there are things that I believe God knows in his wisdom that we can never understand in our humanity. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a very, very important place to land. We have got to trust him with what we do not understand because that also is faith. But that does not give me freedom to step into doubt, despair, and disappointment. And that's often what happens. We take that line and we jump into doubt, despair, and disappointment as opposed to standing on the fact that he is God, that I am not, but his word is still true. If I can stand strong in that place, the waiting gets much, much, much easier, much more fun, and actually becomes a partnership with him which stands on trust, develops in faith, and then results in miracles. And it's just the most exciting, exciting, exciting journey Hmm. that I think any of us can possibly do with the Lord. Yeah. Why do you think people struggle with trusting God for his promises? Because we want what we want, I think is one of the biggest reasons. I think we're afraid of not getting something that we want. We're afraid of getting hurt. We're afraid of disappointment. And all those are incredibly valid, real things that in no way am I diminishing because my goodness, do I feel, have I felt them? But I think that is the crux of it. If I really trust God, maybe I won't get this. If I really walk in faith, what is he going to actually ask me to do? You know, Abraham walked in faith and he said, I want you to sacrifice your son now. Abraham had faith to believe that his son was going to be raised from the dead. That's what he, how he thought God was going to work it out. Mm-hmm. But there are times where it comes to a moment of, do you trust me or don't you? And that's why I feel God has asked so many times of me, Jen, do you trust me or don't you? And, you know, when I became a Christian at 19, it's the only time in my life this has happened that I heard the audible voice of God. I won't go through the story, but the bottom line is I heard the audible voice of God calling me into ministry. And I knew at that moment Though I wouldn't have been able to verbalize it the way I can now, I knew that I had a decision to make. And I remember deciding my life is no longer my own. God, my wants, my desires now will always take second place to what you want. I will be very clear on what they are. I will keep reminding you of them. (laughs) But I truly want what you want far more than I want what I want because I'm just here for you. And I can say unequivocally that my life now, even though there are promises that haven't come about as I thought that they would, I genuinely don't know how to explain it, but I know my life is the best that it could possibly be. And I am more content and happy and joy-filled and loving every bit of my life now than I ever have been. And, And I believe ever would have been if I would have tried to work things out on my own. I just, I believe he's very, very good at this. God's very good at this, and we really can trust him. Yes, amen. He is very good. He's like good at everything. I'm thinking as you said that, I was thinking um, there's a time where I was, you know, as a professional coach, I was coaching someone and I didn't know what to do. And, um, you know, often during a session, I'll be praying and I felt like the Lord said, hey, Jill, 
and I'm like, you know, coaching someone and I'm hearing this like <laughs> tap. Hey, Jill, why don't you ask me? I've been coaching for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He might know a thing or two. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so it just kind of made me smile. And just that, again, not, you know, critical of us when we forget to include him. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yeah, he's, exactly. he's so fun. He's so much more fun. If we, you know, don't you find this? What we believe of God is what we will see of God. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. You find what you're looking for. And mm-hmm. if I believe that he's faithful and he's trustworthy, I'm going to see him come through as faithful and as trustworthy. If I believe mm-hmm. that he's not good, you know, I posted something on social media today. I love also Psalm 119 verse 68 says, you are good and you do good. Teach mm-hmm. me your statutes. And I love that phrase. And I'm often walk around the house just saying, God, you are good and you do good. You are good and you do good. You are good and you do mm-hmm. good. But the second part, teach me your statutes. We're only going to learn best from somebody that we trust. And if we don't trust that he's good, it's going to be very hard to learn from him. But if I can actually go back and trust that he's good, we always try to trust him. But I think we need to actually take a step before trust is goodness. Do I actually believe that he's good? If I don't, it's going to be very, very hard to trust him. And I think that's part of where those mm-hmm. disappointments come in. We don't want to trust him because there's something in us that's not actually sure that he's good. And so yeah. I would say to anybody, if that's the position you're in, gosh, I've been there so many times. I really understand it. So press in and say, Lord, show me your goodness. Show me your goodness. You know, that's what Moses said. Show me your goodness or show me your glory. And God showed him his goodness because that's who God is. He is good. And so get in the scripture, ask for revelation on on his goodness. I ask for revelation on faith, ask for revelation on the goodness of God, but then start looking for it and then you will find it. Yeah. Because if we go to him in a time of what you call the island or the island mm-hmm. or the time yeah. while we're waiting for a promise and we think he's holding back or mm-hmm. we think he, you know, is trying to teach us a, something, a difficult lesson before we can get the promise, then mm-hmm. our natural instinct is to pull away from him. And yep. and when we pull away, the result is we do things our way. But when we're connected and when we're in his presence because we know he's good, that's when we get revelation. And, and that's when even the courage to believe for promises like, you know, the financial crisis you were in or mm-hmm. um, you know, the not only courage, but also peace comes over you. And so that if you're going to spend a lot of time on that island, on the island, <laughs> you might as well enjoy it. You might as well be happy mm-hmm. and joyful knowing that he has it. I remember a time that I was praying and um, telling about the place I was at. I wasn't liking the island very much. And, mm-hmm. um, and he said to me, you know, Jill, let's pretend that life is the way that you're, you're believing for right now. How would you think and act differently today if everything you are hoping for was already current? What would you do with your day? Mm -hmm. And it took me out of, God, when are you going to answer this prayer and please answer this to, oh, that's a done deal. I don't see it yet, but let's just pretend and I'm going to you know, be really happy today. And I'm going to go serve somebody because I'm not worried about that other thing. Mm -hmm. And so it shifted how I did my day. Because I didn't have to strive like, you know, we were talking about earlier. So exactly. Hopefully, That's it. 
hopefully it helps somebody between uh, the two of us. So one of the stories I would love for you to share um, is when you and I were together last time, you Mm -hmm. were going back to England and you had to move and you didn't know where you were going. (laughs) Oh, such a great story. Um, (laughs) Yes. And I'll give you the short version. Uh, (laughs) I need to. And basically, I moved to Bath. um, I was living in London and I moved to Bath in January of this year. And um, because I live by, excuse me, I live by faith completely. And there wasn't enough income or known income every month to be able to rent a place. And state agents don't tend to believe God will pay the rent, you know, when you say that. And so I knew that I couldn't go what we would call an estate agent, a real estate uh, mm-hmm. agent to look for a place. And so um, God worked it out. There was a place temporarily that I could stay in, which, you know, was amazing. But then in April, I had to leave that place. And so they had to sell it. And so uh, the landlord came and just said, you know, would you mind by the end of May, you know, leaving? And he knew that I didn't have a place to go. I said, absolutely. It'll be fine. Don't worry. And I genuinely it. I was like, you know what? God's got this. Of course, he's going to find me a place to, to stay. And so that was toward the end of April. So I had one week before leaving uh, to speak in America for three weeks. So during that week, I was just really expectant. Well, God's going to do something. I don't I don't know what, but there was nothing I could do to make it happen. So I'm trusting, I'm waiting, I'm praying, I'm thanking God for it and, you know, getting on with my life. Well, I fly to America still without a place to live. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm in America for three weeks. By the end of the month, so it leaves one week after I return to basically find a place, sort a place, move into a place, which I thought, well, God can do anything, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. So I'm over in America and this is where I saw you and I was, I was preaching and speaking and talking about faith. And that's when I said, look, I'm living this, you know, because I really believe authenticity is one of my big values of being authentic. And I said, I'm, I'm living what I'm preaching. I totally believe by faith God has got for me this beautiful flat has a one bedroom it has a beautiful office, has high ceilings, big windows, lots of light, and it's got a dishwasher. Because <laughs> over in America, that's common. That's not so common over here. Right. So, and I, I remember asking years. you, like, a dishwasher? Like, that's uh, no, really. But you were it like, <laughs> but I love it because you were specific. You were like, this is what I want, God. This is, it was exactly. I'm like, these hands are tired of doing dishes. You can only wear so many rubber gloves over the years. I'm like, no, Mm. I'm done. I've got a lot of stuff to do and I don't want to waste my time doing dishes. So I'm like, Lord, I want a dishwasher. So anyway, so first week, second week, third week. So I'm over in America those three weeks. So I fly back again, not knowing literally where I was going to live. I get back, I think it was on a Thursday or something, and I text the landlord because I still, and this is the long story, but basically still had half some of my things, all my furniture was in London. So that weekend, so I get back on the Thursday, so I by faith booked a van for Saturday to go put pick up all my furniture that was in London, still having no place to put it. (laughs) So I text the landlord and I just said, would you mind if I store some furniture until next week? Because I didn't want him to know I had no place to go because I knew he'd feel quite guilty. So he said, yeah, that's fine. He said, oh, by the way, can I come over on Sunday? Can we have a catch up? So I said, sure. So a friend of mine uh, and I went to London. We had some friends help get all the furniture in the van. We're driving back and I'm looking at her and I'm laughing, literally laughing. I'm saying, where do you think I'm going to sleep next week? I said, (laughs) where do you think we're going to put the furniture? Because nothing had changed financially. So I still couldn't go to the estate agent. I still couldn't look for any place. So I just kept thanking God for it. And I just kept telling him what I wanted and thanking him. So so now it comes to Sunday, the uh, landlord comes over and 
we're just catching up. And, and he said, have you found a place? I said, no, but it'll be fine. Don't worry. And he said, well, he goes, Jen, the strangest thing. He said, while you were in America, he said, somebody came to me and, and basically long story short, the house was not even on the market, but somebody offered to pay cash for the house. And he said, because they're offering to pay cash for it, he said, they can't actually leave where they are for at least another month. So if you want to stay another month, you're really welcome to do that. <laughs> I said, well, that would be amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and inside, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right. So that left another month. Well, then I was leaving a week after that for India for two and a half weeks. So we're back again to, well, I only have a week. Well, two hours after he left, uh, I got a text message from somebody um, in America who I mentored 25 years ago, who knew nothing of any of all of this going on. She knew nothing. Basically, long story short, sent me a message saying that she felt God had spoken to her and said to pay Jen's rent and was going to send me, wanted to send me a certain amount of money every month. Um, did I need that? <laughs> in a word? <laughs> yes. Um, and so... What that allowed me to do, I had a week to find a place, found a place, fell through on the Wednesday, spent all day Thursday looking, Friday put an offer, Saturday, it was accepted to rent. And now I live right around the corner from the Royal Crescent in Bath, which is a lovely area of Bath. I've got this beautiful Georgian flat with high ceilings, big windows, lots of light, one bedroom, a beautiful office. And next week, Thursday, the landlord's putting in my dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Jesus is Lord and God is good. <laughs> I love it. I love that story He's so, so able to do the impossible if we trust him. He, he really is. He is. And I, I hearing the story again, like I walked through it with you, yeah. um, but hearing it again, just, uh, just I'm grinning from ear to ear. And <laughs> I remember praying for you and I saw like a stone building and like out a window or right, right near you is a bunch of land um, that mm -hmm. it was just going to be really beautiful. And um, and so when you sent me pictures, I think the first place I was like, oh, that looks like it. But then it fell through. Mm -hmm. So I was like, huh, that's confusing. But then yeah. this, the second picture was, you know, similar stone building and lots of beautiful areas for you to go walking. And um, so I love how God just uses, you know, so many people if we'll let if we will share our stories and we release yeah. it, there's other people praying for us. You know, That's it. yeah, exactly. And I just feel to say this really quickly um, as well. Oh, I lost my thought. I think this was my thought hmm. um, that in the middle of, oh, this was it. Thank you, Lord. It, in the middle of it, now that I'm on the other side of it, I am so glad I did not waste hours and hours and weeks and weeks in anxiety and fretting and worrying and doubting. And I'm so glad I didn't waste all my time in America with my family worrying about where I was going to oh, live. Yeah. I'm so glad when I was ministering in India, I wasn't half ministering because the back of my mind was like, I've got no place to live. Where, what am I going to do? I'm just so pleased the enemy didn't steal that time from me. And I think in the land of is, when you're in that place, you know, when you're waiting to realize as well, it isn't just about getting to the other side. You know, when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus, he knew they were going to get to the other side. That wasn't the issue, which yeah. is why he was at peace. 
Don't let the enemy steal your peace when you're on your way to the other side, because you will get to the other side. I just believe this is a word for somebody. You will get to the other side. God sees you. God hears you. He has heard your prayer. He is with you right now. He sees where you are sitting, and he knows that you are trying with all of your heart to, to trust him. And he is saying, relax in that. Just relax and be at peace, because I will get you to the other side, but I want you to enjoy the journey. And we enjoy the journey the best when we just fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. Just put your eyes on him and he will literally take you across the other side and it will be beyond what you could dream or even imagine because that's our God and that's what he does and because he loves you. That's so good. That's a word for somebody. It's a good word. I'll take it for myself. (laughs) (laughs) You take it. (laughs) He is good and he does good. So, Jen, what is going on in this season of your life? What what are, is the now word that you're hearing, maybe not over just you, but over the church? Oh, that is a really, that's a good question. There's a couple of things that are stirring in my heart. You know, this, I was preaching this last weekend and, um, Without going through the preach, there are three key things um, that that the Lord was showing me. It was really along the lines of prayer, but the three things He showed me was um, character. Um, often we're you know we're worried about how we're praying, or if we pray differently, maybe this will work, or maybe that will work, or maybe if I say it this way, or maybe if I just say it fifteen times a day. And I just think, okay, let's go back to character. Let's go back to holiness. Let's go back to who we are in Christ. And I think the church around the world as well, the Lord is bringing us back. You know, one of the things that is really starting to bother me, and one of these days, one of these preaches, it's really going to come out. I'm I'm going to stay quite measured here, but the enemy previously has divided the Christians and the non-Christians. But he's his tactic now, which is so obvious, you don't even need to be prophetic, is he's dividing the Christians amongst the Christians. Yeah. And what I am seeing is grieving my heart. What I am seeing posted and said in the way people are responding is so not the heart of God. And before we start praying this, that, and the other, I feel like God is saying, okay, let's go back to character. Let's go back to holiness. He's bringing his church back to that place. You know, a few months ago, he began stirring my heart about fasting. I haven't really thought about fasting in a long time. And he showed me in Matthew 6, where Jesus said, when you give, do such and such. When you pray, do such and such. When you fast, do such and such. Well, we give, we pray. What about the fasting? He's calling us back to this place of holiness. Part of the reason he's calling us to this place of holiness is so that we then, the second thing is understand our authority because we have an authority and gosh, I could preach for an hour on that, but we have an authority that we carry. So as Christians, when we're speaking, when we're posting, when we're doing things, we do it from a place of authority, but we need that character to underpin the authority that we're walking in. And then the last one is the wisdom. Once you have that character and that authority, then you speak with wisdom. And wisdom carries that love because God is love. And that wisdom that he puts in us is love. And when we begin to speak in that place from a place of holiness and from a place um, of authority and walking in that wisdom and that love, what is going to happen is unity is going to begin to come back into the church. We'll begin to realign ourselves. And once we are realigned, then God is preparing us for something. I'll tell you what. The last thing I'll say here is I believe God is preparing the church for something quite, 
quite big coming up. There's a real move of God that is coming, and it is very, very exciting because you see what's happening in the natural to know what's going on in the spiritual. There's a lot happening in the spiritual right now. And I believe, you know, people, we throw around the word revival in different ways. I think this is going to look different than anything we've seen before. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just can, can feel it. I can sense it. But in order to walk in it, we need that character, we need to know our authority, and we need to walk with great wisdom. And in that place comes that unity. And when the church is unified, nothing, no no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. The gates of hell cannot stand against that. And we will see a move of God that's very, very, very exciting. And so that's where I'm putting my Mm. focus and my attention on, my faith is on that, not to be discouraged, not to be disheartened, and definitely not to be uh, destructive in what I'm saying or doing right. or, or speaking, but to focus on that unity and that love with wisdom, speaking truth, because of the authority, but based on our character. That's so such a good word. I love that. Jen, you know, one thing I think people would really like to know is as they're waiting for promises, um, you know, can you have some practical tips to tell them how they can wait well? Yeah, that is a great question. I think there are several things that we can do uh, practically to wait well, wait well, (laughs) it's hard to say. (laughs) One of them, and to me, the most important is you stay in the word of God. Um, You just is reading the Word of God, is knowing the Word of God, um, spending time with the Lord and spending time in the Word. You, you cannot minimize the importance of that when we're waiting because that keeps us on track. Um, each of these, I can, could, you could preach on for an hour on each one, but to just stay focused, the, the next one would be guarding your heart, your mind, and your mouth. Mm-hmm. I think that is very, very important, that we guard our heart, that we guard our mind, and that we guard our mouth, that I watch what I'm thinking, because what I think is what I say, what I say is what I do. Right. (laughs) So watching our thoughts, what am I thinking? Oh, this thing's never going to work. Oh, I'm never going to change. Oh, this is never going to happen. Just don't even allow those thoughts. Like literally don't allow them. We choose our thoughts. Nobody else can choose them for us. We have to do that. Mm -hmm. Choose. I will not think on things that are not of the word, but I will think on things that are true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, like the word says. So guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your mouth. Those are very, very important. Speak what you want to see. Um, I think the third one that, that I would say in the waiting time, and this is something I've learned in this last season, is to be generous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean just financially, though it can be. If you're waiting for a financial miracle, that's often the time. Be be generous, even if it's a pound, or, sorry, a dollar <laughs> that you're giving somebody. You know, be generous with your time. Be generous with your prayers. Just be generous. When we look outside of ourselves, it's amazing how that can help the waiting season yeah. move along. Um, I would also say keep the vision before you. You know, the word says write the vision and run with it. Keep the vision in front of you. Um be diligent in knowing what you're actually believing for. Write it out. Get a picture of it. Have a vision board. Put it in front of you because that also keeps hope and faith alive if you can see it. It's when we can't see it that we begin to wonder, will that ever happen? So put it in front of you so you can see it. Um, and then I would say as well, um, the last one is this, to be, fa- uh, to be thankful, to mm. stay thankful you know, that also be generous and be thankful. Yeah. <laughs> Those are two wonderful things that you can do practically while you're waiting. Nobody else can do them for us. 
But if we're thankful, we're thanking God. You know, I spent, you know, there was a season, uh, different, another difficult season with housing. And I was just thankful. I just was thanking God constantly. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you. Thank him for the littlest things. You know, thank you yeah. for this pan. Thank you for this meal that I get to eat, even if it's not what you want to eat. Thank you for the clothes. You just start being thankful and it, it will bubble up and bubble up and bubble up. And a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. <laughs> it's so true. We'll finish that. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some great tips. Now, there are so many, there are many places people can uh, learn more from you. And so can you tell us a little um, about each of your books and where they can find them? Yeah, you bet. Well, my website is Jen Baker, J-E-N-B-A-K-E-R, jenbaker.co.uk. Uh, and everything is on my website. If you go to the shop store, there's six different books. Basically, the first three are devotionals for women. Um, first one's about getting untangled from things. Second one's unstoppable. It's all about purpose. The third one's about changing mindsets from negative to positive mindsets. And they're just 12-week devotions. There's some teaching, but also questions. So it's like a journal that you work through it with God. So I've got those three. And then there's a free book you can get if you go on my website, a short book um, about taking steps of faith and how to do that. And then the book, The Power of Promise, which we've talked a lot about, that's about holding on for promises that God has put in your heart. And the last one's Unshakable Confidence, and that one's specifically for women as well. And that's a lot of my journey and my story going from debilitating fear and insecurity to just a woman who loves God and is confident, but in kingdom confidence, mm. not arrogance, not insecurity, just kingdom confidence, just confident in in my God and who I am. And so just giving keys and truths. There's some, some of my story, but it's quite practical as well, helping people walk that journey into real confidence. And then lastly, I'm all over social media. So any of the social media, it's just at Jen Baker Inspire. Great. And I know I want to let the audience know too that you do videos so they can check out your YouTube mm -hmm. channel. Um, I think yep. I've noticed that you'll do a word of the month, like something that you yep. feel like the Lord is speaking over people for the month. And so I encourage people to go get that um, uh, and interact with you on social media because you you are really good about mm -hmm. when the Lord inspires you and teaches you something, you share it with others. Uh, so um and then the other thing I want the audience to know is that Jen is opening up a new program called Coffee with Jen, and it's a mentorship. And uh, Jen, when is that going to open the doors for that? I am believing that is going to start in November. I'm working on finishing up some products um, because basically it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one mentoring with me that they can have, whether it's over Skype or FaceTime, or if they're in the area, let's just meet for a coffee. But then there's also downloadable materials that I'm writing that I'm going to send to them in a journal that they'll get. So I'm finishing up that now, hoping to launch it in November. Great. So by the time this airs, uh, the audience should be able to just go to your website. And if they yep. want to sign up with Coffee with Jen, you can do that as well. So, Jen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We need to do this again. Thank oh, thank you, Jill. I've absolutely loved it. Loved it, loved it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I love you, friend. I love you, too.
Well, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there's a couple of things I would love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to my show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed and it'll be there ready when you are. And second, if the ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help me reach others, please leave a review. That really helps the podcast show up higher in everyone else's feed as well. Or you can help in a different way. You can click on the link in the description and you can give financially to support the show so we can continue doing other great episodes like this one with Jen. So thank you again for listening to the podcast. You can find out more about Jen or get all the links that we mentioned in the show notes. If you go to jillmonaco.com and click on podcasts and you'll find this. Thanks so much for tuning in today, my friends. And remember, love well, you were made for it. Oh, 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 oh,